Morgan, and welcome to the Entrepreneurial Coder Podcast. My name is Ryan, and this is the show where I talk to developers, programmers, and coders of all types who are in business for themselves, and I try to figure out how they got to where they are. So if you're a coder who wants to get into business, or if you're already in business and you want to see where to go next, then hopefully this show is of value to you. This is episode eight with Chris Sevaleja. My guest today is Chris Sebaleja. Chris is a full-stack developer from Las Vegas, Nevada, and is the founder of the popular web development tutorial site Scotch.io. He is a Google developer expert in web technologies and is a frequent live coder on Twitch. When not coding, he can be found rolling up the Vegas Strip in his Model 3 or squatting, bench pressing, or deadlifting major weight. Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So this is a really fun episode for me because we've known each other for quite some time now. We've, uh, how long do we go back? Is it maybe to 2014, 2015, something like that? Uh, when I first started. I want to say 2014 at least. Yeah, something like that. Uh, maybe more. When I first started writing for Scotch. Um, and so uh, to kick this off, I, I wanted to extend a very large thank you to you and the Scotch team, because I think in a lot of ways, uh, Scotch really kicked off what has uh, blossomed into my web development career. Um, I don't think I would be uh, at this point this far along in my career uh, if it weren't for for Scotch. So a huge thank you, because I think it's been instrumental in my uh, in my career so, so far. So you've you've done good. And, and I definitely appreciate all that has uh, happened at Scotch. Um, yeah, I, that I. See, like I, I ran out of words that that warms my heart so much. Um, and I don't like that. It's not a one way thing, right? Like you have brought us along. You were integral to the beginning of Scotch, I would say. Uh, I believe you were like number either the first or the second guest author to come, ever come around. And uh, we were so excited because we had never really had guest authors. And then you emailed and was like, hey, your site is awesome. Can I write? And, and like, let us partner on something. And for that, that was such validation for us because we were like, Hey, our site is cool enough that somebody like Ryan wants to write <laughs> over here. So that was, that was a big validation for us. Um, so thank you for that. Well, it's a two way thing, right? I, I, I'm glad to hear that. that that's awesome. I, I, I think back often to, uh, to the moment where I sent that, uh, that email in because the, to, to take people back, I guess, to what had happened, uh, Scotch, when you, when you first started looking for guest authors, uh, you put out, um, I guess a post or something and, and put out maybe some tweets saying, Hey, we're starting up a guest author program. Uh, if you're interested, uh, send us an email. And at that point, like I had no idea if I had, you know, the chop to write for for something like scotch scotch io and so i was very very hesitant to to actually send anything in at all um and i i remember being um very hesitant like after i had written it all out like the the whole pitch for why i should be a writer uh, a guest writer and and i almost didn't send it in and so I, I think back often to like what you know where i would be now what life would look like had i not done that because yeah, no joke it's been a very integral uh, part of my career uh writing for scotch so once again appreciate it um and for those who are listening who aren't familiar with scotch uh maybe just take uh take us through what scotch is um you know what it's all about it's a tutorial site but uh what does that mean exactly and maybe tell us how it got started sure well scotch.io uh in the i guess the elevator pitch is a front end and back end it's just a web development tutorial website 
And nowadays, there's a lot of them around, right? But when we started back in 2014, 2013, there was not as many, I would say. And I think what we excel at, what we do best at is making things more of a practical tutorial. Like a lot of tutorials are are high level, like code snippets and stuff like that. But we actually like take you through and build something. And learning by building is one of our, our main tenants, I would say. So if we talk about how Scotch started, it was um, similar to what I just said. It's basically, I had to search for a tutorial and in, it didn't exist online. And it's, it's frustrating because if it doesn't exist on Stack Overflow, you know you're kind of screwed. Like maybe I'm the first person that's ever done this, right? So since that, you had to learn something that wasn't on Stack Overflow, you had to do it. And I said, you know what, maybe we'll just put it on paper. So blog form. So if anybody can come around and maybe learn from it, if one person can learn from it, then it's worth it. So we did that. And to be honest, we started in around March, I would say, and there was zero traffic for, <laughs> for about eight months at least. So it was, it was slow going, but it was a lot of just that enjoying that grind of, Hey, we started a blog for the first time ever, just writing, learning the process. And w- the one post that got us off the ground, which was amazing was we turned CSS. Well, we turned, uh, you know how you can use like CSS to adjust checkboxes mm-hmm. and, and input fields. Right. So we used that on checkboxes and we made the checkboxes lightsabers. Okay. Yeah. I remember so this. Every- I remember this post. <laughs> So that was uh, what I would say got us off the ground. You click the checkbox and it opens up the lightsaber and that was it. It was adjusting the height of a pseudo element for like the before tag. Right. Uh, on the, on the active class or on the active pseudo, whatever. So that happened. It actually got to the front page of hacker news and it absolutely destroyed our website. <laughs> Everything went down. It was it was a lot of fun, right? We're panicking, but it was, it was a good panic. And it was interesting because we didn't have any, any Twitter accounts. We didn't have any Facebook accounts. We had no way for people to come back after they had seen this. We had no newsletter. It was just early days and we had no idea what was happening. So that's kind of what got us off the ground. And then ever since then, I don't know, traffic has picked up and it's just been a slow, steady uh, climb from there, I would say. Right on. Um, so one thing that I'd love to chat with you about is uh, how how you've gone about building the audience for Scotch. Um, so, you know, there have been some good moments where a post like the one where you're you're turning checkboxes and input fields into lightsabers that gets a, a good amount of traffic um, in kind of one go at, at one point in time. But I imagine that the consistent traffic that Scotch gets um, is not really a result of like, you know, maybe one or two posts that that do really well. It's more of like a build over time. Um, so what are some ways that you've gone about building traffic and how do you think about uh, building consistent traffic to the site? Sure. Well, this is something that I've been talking about a lot lately because recently our traffic has kind of dropped. Uh, our Alexa rank, I know that. Amazon, not Alexa, like the, the robot that lives in your living room. Um, Alexa rankings are how they rank, how websites are ranked, I guess, from like number one is the most popular website. And I know rankings are in everything, but at our peak, Scotch got down to like 4,000 in the world, uh, which I would say is pretty cool for a, a tech site. And 
in recent years, we've dropped down to about like 12,000 and we're climbing back up. But what's interesting is that 85 to 90% of our traffic comes from Google search. Wow. Okay. So if Google ever, if Google ever changes their algorithms or whatever, like they have done and we see a drop, that's, that's entirely scary to me because so much of our traffic is dependent on Google. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the numbers, everybody has like this, this thing where, you know, Twitter feels like it's everything in the tech world. Twitter accounts for 2% of our traffic about. So that's not really the best place to build a consistent following. Like it's very good for, and I'll differentiate the two. So I call quick traffic, uh, flash traffic. Okay. Uh, like it's a flash fire and it just happens. And then the consistent traffic that you're talking about is like that SEO play where you have to have your website, um, do really well on search engines and all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. And search engine optimization, it used to be something simple, like, you know, just put in a bunch of keywords, buzzwords, um, have link backs and stuff like that. But as Google's grown, as, as the web has grown, it's gotten a lot more complex. Um, but to start for anybody that wants to have like a solid SEO strategy, I would say 100% get your meta tags correct. Uh, all the stuff, all the HTML tags that are in the head of your website. Uh, you definitely need them for your Facebook, your Twitter, your Google stuff. Um, there's meta checkers you can use to make sure all those are in place. And then the one that I, well, there's two more that I think are crucial. One is structured data. Hmm. And this is something that I think a lot of people miss these days. Um, and structured data is, how do I put this? Like when you do a Google search and sometimes you see like rev review stars underneath right. uh, a search result, that's structured data. So structured data on Scotch is like, oh, we're a tech article. This is who wrote the article. This is... Um, these are like the common tags, like JavaScript, Angular, React, whatever. Um, so that is also very crucial to having a good SEO strategy. And the third one is, which I hate, absolutely hate, is uh, <laughs> Google's AMP, mm, yeah. Accelerated Mobile Pages. So why do you hate that? It's it's uh, a bit of a proprietary internet. Like the internet is supposed to, well, supposed to say, oh, like everyone codes for the web and the web is like the web, mm -hmm. right? Right. But AMP has its own subset of like HTML tags. So it's not just, hey, let me serve HTML to this. And then Google will say, okay, now I'll rank you. You have to actually convert your entire HTML page to AMP's specific HTML. And it actually is quite a bunch of weird conversions. Mm -hmm. And then Google says, okay, now we'll put you in our newsfeed, mm -hmm. you know? Right. So, so that to me is, is kind of like a walled... Yeah. Garden kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And it's been a while since I've touched AMP, but I think if I remember correctly that you're very limited in terms of what you can actually do with scripting on a page, right? Like there's only, uh, you're, you're restricted in the first place with your HTML tags and I think with your CSS, but you're, you're super limited with uh, JavaScript. Is that, is that the case? That is the case. So let's say we have an image tag, right? You have to actually convert that to AMP dash image. Mm. And that'll be your new HTML tag. And then you have to specify width and height, which uh, some of our posts don't always do. Uh, all your CSS has to be in line at the top of the page. Mm. So no uh, external CSS style sheets. Uh, you can't use the important tag, which I guess you probably shouldn't anyway. Uh, and then if you want any JavaScript, you have to use their AMP specific scripts. So if you have a YouTube link or a YouTube embed, you have to use amp-youtube as your new HTML tag. And then you can, you have to load their amp 
YouTube JavaScript. Okay. Um, but now they actually just introduced like something where you can do custom JavaScript, but we'll see how that goes. But yeah, you're right. It's very limiting in what you can do. It's a very, very um, pared down version of your full website, right? which is probably why it makes it so fast, right? Yeah, I suppose at the end of the day, an AMP page is really just like a a super bare bones, like HTML page, more or less. So <laughs> if you just made like, you know, uh, a website like they used to be made in the 90s, I suppose that would almost be an AMP page, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, here's the thing, too, is um, back in early 2000s, right? Everyone said, oh, you need two versions of your website. You need scotch.io and you need m.scotch.io for mobile, right? right? And then they said, hold on, don't do that. Make it responsive. Make it one website, less code. Cool. And then Google comes in and says, hey, we want a second version of your website again. And it's basically the m.version, which is AMP now. (laughs) Sort of circling back. Full circle. Yep. Interesting. Okay. Sorry to take us on to a tangent there about, uh, about AMP, but, uh, I, I find it to be an interesting <laughs> choice, uh, and technology, uh, I guess in and of itself. Um, so let's, let's get back maybe to just, uh, I guess growing scotch, uh, in general, what's, um, maybe, maybe one thing that would be interesting to, to touch on is, uh, how growth kind of ebbs and flows and how it has over the years. Um, has there been, have there been periods of like really heavy growth and then, um, and then it slowed down? Has it been up and down? What's, uh, what's kind of the growth, sure. growth story? The, the beginning was, uh, a rocket ship to the moon kind of growth. Hmm. And I think that it's been interesting. I've gone full circle in the types of articles we publish. I've gone from author to more editor because we have about like 400, 500 guest authors that have come through Scotch and you open the floodgates, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, Ryan, Ryan wrote and then all of a sudden everybody wanted to write. So I've gone to an editor phase, um, but growth was strongest in the beginning because we had the simplest, not the simplest articles, but the, the broadest articles, I would say. Like how to get started with React, right? That uh, Ken Wheeler wrote. How to get started with um, like SAS that uh, David Korshid wrote. And it, all of these beginner level articles, right? And that's, that's where the SEO play comes in. Because um, after that, after the first couple of years of like super growth, I... And in hindsight, I can say mistakenly, but when we were doing it, it sounded like the right idea. We wanted to move to uh, publishing on the daily, like two two articles a day kind right. of thing. Uh, very much like a site point or a net tuts sort of format. Mm-hmm. And now I can say that I don't think that'll work for us, for our user base. And why is that? Um, I think... People in the beginning like gravitated towards Scotch because all of like if we published an article in the beginning, people knew it was at least going to be close to high quality, mm. right? Or or high quality. I'm 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 biased, but <laughs> but then we got to a point, and this is where that growth kind of stagnated. Was we got to a point where we were publishing two a day, three a day, um, four days a week, Monday through Thursday, um, and they started to. Well, first of all, it's hard to edit that many articles and publish them at the same time and keep them all at the same quality. Right. So we started publishing articles that were like how to build um, like XYZ in a popular article would have been how to build XYZ in React or in Angular. Done. Mm -hmm. But this started turning into how to build XYZ in React plus, um, I don't know, like 
React modal plus React, like blah, plus GraphQL. Mm. So it's like four technologies in one article. Mm -hmm. And while the article is absolutely badass, like super high quality article, very technical, nobody searches for that. Right. It's a very specific, very niche type of article to, to want to read, isn't it? Exactly. And then for people, like people mostly want to just search for something, grab the code snippet they want and get out. Um, I feel like there's a far smaller group, awesome group. I love that group, but that say, Hey, this is the article I'm going to work on this weekend. You know, this is the tutorial I'm going to run through this weekend. Well, I love that. It just hasn't, there's not as many of those as the people that search and grab snippets. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. And I don't, I don't want to say like, we don't want that traffic. It's just as things have gone along, which kind of is weird. You have to find that balance of what is going to get you the most traffic, get you the most ad revenue versus what is going to be like coolest for the community Mm -hmm. uh, for those like niche tutorial type people. Right. Maybe that's a, a, another thing uh, to chat about is um, the revenue model for Scotch. So thinking about, uh, you know, any any content site, often, at least historically, the revenue model is advertisement. Uh, running ads will, um, you know, produce however much money. I don't even know if it's if it's a lot these days. Uh, I assume you have to have you know a lot of traffic to make it worthwhile. Um, but Scotch is in this interesting position because the the audience is one that is pretty averse to advertisements in the first place. And, you know, I, I've got, I've got an ad blocker on, uh, in my browser fired up. And so I, I apologize, but I'm not contributing to any kind of ad revenue for, for scotch. Um, but the point being that I think a lot of developers are in the same boat They're They are running ad blockers. They don't want to, uh, see banner ads or anything like that. So, um, you know, what is the, what is, I guess that's a good place to start. What is the revenue model? for scotch and uh if it's advertisement if that plays a role um how do you kind of get around the fact that a lot of developers aren't looking at ads let's run through all of the avenues of revenue first and then we'll talk about ads i would say sure, yeah. so display ads definitely display ads are definitely in there um not my favorite form at all and if you look at the numbers of display ads it's like uh i guess we'll talk about it i just don't think they're, they're efficient mm. Uh, next is sponsorships. This is where most of our bread and butter comes from. This is from like cool companies that want to sponsor scotch. Uh, it's a weekly sponsorship and basically they're, they're the main money makers for the, for the month. Then we move into the monthly revenue model where we have, uh, premium courses, premium video courses like that. Um, and that's, Eventually, I believe that will take over as the main revenue generator. Um, I just haven't really, I feel bad because I haven't made as much content as I should have. I haven't made as much premium content. Um, but now that like I've, I've been able to move full-time to Scotch, uh, just as like last week, that's something I want to fix for sure. And let's see. Yeah, those are the, those are the main ones. So back to display ads. If you talk about display ads in, and this is a world that I had no idea about until Scotch, definitely had to learn about this world. But uh, if you talk about revenue for display ads, people use the term CPM mm-hmm. or um, RPM. To be honest, I don't know the difference between the two. <laughs> CPM it, uh, would be cost <laughs> per mill, I think is what it is. Yep. Yep. Cost per milli and then uh, revenue per milli. Okay. And so that's, that's the, uh, a price per thousand, whatever, I guess is how it works. Right. 
yes, per per thousand. I don't want to say page views. It's more like ad 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 impressions. Ad impressions. Got it. So f- for every yeah. So which is weird because I see the two terms interchange, but it doesn't matter. I guess if we get into I'll use CPM or actually I'll use RPM revenue per milli. It's how much money do you make per every thousand impressions per ad? Right. Does that make sense? So uh, the number that normal websites shoot for is like $7 RPM. So $7 for every thousand visits they get. Right. Which is in the tech world <laughs> for in the scotch world that is ridiculous because we sit at about like a dollar and 50 cents per okay rpm which is a far cry from the seven dollars <laughs> that the rest of the web gets right right and is that largely because there aren't um that many people who are on the site actually seeing the ads or why why is that low that's an interesting question because i don't think that well, first of all, 80% of our people have ad block on. Right, right. Which is a huge amount. Uh, and I, I totally agree with it. Like, I completely advocate for ad blockers. I think people should move. I love what Brave is doing, um, where they, like, Brave says, hey, put money into, like, an account. So put, like, $3 into a monthly account. And then every website you visit, based on how long you're on that website, we will pay them out of your uh, $3 bank account okay, per month, which is cool. But sorry, I digressed, but where was I? <laughs> we we're talking about, uh, the, uh, cost per mill. So advertisements and, and why developers aren't, uh, oh, right. seeing the ads right, right, really. Right, right. Sorry. Right. Yeah. So I don't think that the people with ad block would actually affect that number because the ad never loaded. Hmm. Right. Yeah. So that number doesn't factor in. That's true. I would say maybe um, web developers are more prone to knowing where the ads are. So they just say, oh, look, I'm not going to click that thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because um, clicks clicks factor into the revenue also. And uh, yeah, I, th- I just think web developers know like, hey, there's a sidebar. There's going to be ads in that sidebar. I'm not looking. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's kind of like... Man, even even doing a Google search, I am very unlikely to take seriously anything that's that doesn't look like a just a traditional, you know, result. Um, even whatever right. is displayed at the top, <laughs> if it's an ad, it's funny. Like I'm thinking about it now. If I search for, like, if I just need to get to like the website of you know some kind of service that I use or whatever, I'll sometimes I'll just Google for it if I can't remember what the URL is, and. Mm-hmm. Most often they'll have like a, uh, an ad in the first or second position, but I per, like I for some reason won't cl- ever click on one of those. I'll always look for like the regular search result to click on. I'm just like very allergic to any kind of like advertisement that comes up and I totally avoid it. Is So you don't click on the first two. Is that because of it's just 100% it's an ad? So here's a question. If let's say the first position is an ad, right? And the second position is not an ad, right? but they're both for, let's say like Firebase. Yeah. Which one, 
You would never click the first one. I don't think so. I would click the second one. Whatever whatever isn't an ad is what I would click, I think. And I don't know why okay. that is, but like sometimes I'll see the URL that it's going to link me to in that ad position. And it's to some like, you know, sub page of the service where it's like a, a marketing landing page. So that's, you know, that's like an understandable perhaps uh, case where I wouldn't click it. But sometimes I'm just like, no, I don't want, I don't want to click on the ad. I want to go straight to the thing. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I digress. Um but yeah, no, I mean, I, I 100% agree with you. Mine's a little, I, I agree. I would 100% never click the ad. Uh, I usually click not just because it's an ad. I click because I, I personally know how much ads cost. So it's like, Hey, I'm going to click on the second one. So they don't have to, they don't have to pay Google for this click that I'm about to give them. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's kind of a, I've heard of this. I got to, I got to save them money. Yeah. I've, I've heard of, uh, <laughs> some companies trying to retaliate against their competitors who buy AdSense ads against, uh, their name. I don't know if that makes sense, but like right. if you got a company and you've got a competitor, sometimes your competitor will try to rank for your company's name to just like send people to, <laughs> to the competition essentially and so i've heard of, right. i've heard of companies just like clicking relentlessly on that ad just to just to drive up their costs probably oh, pr- probably that's not cool a, yeah probably not a very ethical tactic but uh <laughs> nonetheless um so <laughs> uh so so the revenue story for scotch largely um largely at well uh, somewhat ads largely uh paid uh sponsorships and um do you like go out hunting for these sponsorships or is it more so at this point uh, that companies are coming to you and, and they want to advertise? Um, yeah. So at this point, uh, it, early on, it was, hey, let's go hunt for sponsorships. And it ended up being one of my, I don't want to say flaws or anything, but like one of my shortcomings is I'm not the best salesman, right? Like I'm, I'm pretty nice of a guy that I'm, I'm not like, Hey, let's haggle. Right. Haggling does not sound fun to me. Right. So at, at the beginning, it was a little bit of that of, Hey, you might be a good fit for scotch. And we try to only bring on sponsorships that would be a good fit, but it was just never fun for me to, to handle those emails and say, okay, well, how about this price for this much? Like blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So we actually use a service called syndicate, which is a, child company of buy sell ads. Mm. So we've actually partnered with buy sell ads. Buy sell ads handles our display ads. Now buy sell ads, their other child company syndicate handles all of our sponsorships. Um, so they make sure that our sponsorships are filled week to week. They handled the haggling. We even built them a system where they could just go in and update the display ads. So it's almost zero work on my end. Mm-hmm. And they take, I believe 25% of each sponsorship, but at the end of the day, I'm not doing anything. So that was worth it to me. Right. Okay. Got it. Um, so let's maybe shift gears a little bit and chat about, uh, uh, what you're up to now full-time, because as you mentioned, you're, you've made a switch, uh, to, to going into work on scotch full-time. And, um, 
So it's kind of interesting. Like when I first started uh, uh, reading tutorials on Scotch and eventually started writing for the site, um, initially before I before I really met you and got to know you, my impression was that Scotch is this site that's got a big team that there's uh, you know a whole staff working behind this, and of course everybody here is is full time on on the thing. Look at this popular website and and sort of all the revenue that it's it's generating. But um, tell me about uh, tell me about maybe why it's just now that you have made the switch to going full-time on scotch sure it was never really a financial decision for me scotch scotch has done well for a couple years now like done well enough for me to go full-time and the reason i haven't been is more of the day job was the day job i was at wasn't like this huge giant corporation that i was about to leave or anything like that it was a team of four people trying to build something uh, that like the four of us, I guess, believed in. Mm-hmm. So it was a very small team. It was me, uh, the two owners, which were a husband and wife founding team. And uh, the co-dev, the other dev was um, Holly, who is also part of the Scotch team. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so leaving that team was was very difficult, I would say, because it was such a small team. We were very close knit. So that's, that's the main reason for not making the jump until about now. Right. Okay. And so that, uh, it sounds like that's probably, that was a challenging jump to make then, uh, up at this point that that you did make it. Was there anything that, um, kind of led you to, to finally pull the trigger on it? Sure. Um, well the, the, the day job, I guess, for lack of better words, went under. Hmm. Okay. So that 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 makes sense. (laughs) <laughs> so it wasn't it was kind of like hey you gotta leave <laughs> okay so it was uh it was a bit of a forced push then as a forcing function yeah right yeah. okay it was um yeah forced to jump off the cliff gotcha gotcha okay well that's uh i guess the the timing is probably all right for you because i i think you know from conversations that we've had in the past um you know, there's, uh, there's definitely been a desire to, to focus more on scotch and, uh, to, to make that your full-time gig. Um, so now that you're here at this point, is it, what's, what's going to change for the site? Do you have anything new planned? Any, any kind of like new, uh, you know, spinoffs of scotch, or is it kind of going to be more focused on the core value that you offer? Right. Well, I want to take an aside. It was every time I thought about making the jump to go full-time, uh, there was a lot of what would Ryan do going through my mind. Okay. All right. <laughs> because I, I honestly 100% admire you for making the jump yourself. How long ago was it now? Well, so uh, I, I don't know if I've ever gone into detail about it on the podcast. Perhaps I have, but for those who, who haven't heard the, heard the story, um, I worked, my first tech job was uh, for a company called Auth Zero, and I worked for them for about two and a half years. And I left in November of 2017, um, and I left to pursue my my own um, kind of uh, business, I suppose. I, I, I went into consulting um, kind of full time. I was doing a little bit 
bit of that as I was at all serial, but it was getting to the point where it was, it was too much to maintain working, you know, a full-time job as well, because we just kept increasing. So what I did is I said, okay, I've got to make a decision here, whether to taper down on the uh, consulting stuff or to, to kind of jump ship from the day job and do that full-time. And so I made the decision to do that. Um, and it was, you know, it was scary, especially with, uh, having, having just had uh, a baby a few months prior, uh, my wife and I, it was, it was a bit of a, a scary leap, but, um, it's, it certainly worked out for, for the better. So I'm glad I, I did it, but it's nerve wracking. It's uh it's a little bit nerve wracking. And I, I guess maybe that has, has played into perhaps your, um, your apprehension in the past to, to make that jump is like, you know, what, what's going to happen if, and you know, if, if things don't go well, what will I do? Was that part of it for you? Um, maybe a year ago, two years ago, it was, <laughs> it sounds ridiculous that I've been thinking about this move for so long and never made it until now, but that was a while ago. But like I said, Scotch has been like, I've been lucky enough that Scotch has gotten large enough to the point where financially it wouldn't have been financials. Wasn't the stopping point, right? right. Like. So a lot of it was, and I never thought about it until I was full-time on it. So this, this past week, I've actually thought about it. It was, I've never thought about this before until now, but before Scotch is a side project, right? Like whenever I would go speak at conferences or talk to anybody and whatever, I would always kind of just say, oh, you know, Scotch is a side project. It's fun. We're just having fun, you know? Mm-hmm. And that was, that was fun. That was cool. And now there's an obligation to make a company, mm-hmm. which is different. It's a different mindset than probably the goals are the same, right? Like just bring in good content, bring in like teach people how to code and try to bring, bring up the traffic. But there's something different now that there's an obligation to do it. Right. So what's different? What's uh, the, what, how does that feel? I suppose right now that difference. Um, there's a pressure to it. Mm-hmm. I think, um, cause before it was, it was, Hey, if I don't want to write a post this week, I'm just, I'm just going to publish a, a good post from a guest author mm-hmm. and that'll be that. But now it's, like I said, I, I do want to make more premium courses. I do want to make more videos. Um, I think the Twitch streaming has helped force me onto keeping a schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, since we, we stream Monday, Wednesday, Friday, like 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time every day or every week. But it's just, um, I don't know. You always hear about these companies that are like, oh, they they had such good leadership and that that leadership took them, you know, from where they were two years ago to, I don't know, like um, Uber going going public and all that stuff, you know? And you always think like, if I was in that position, I would be a great CEO. <laughs> I would be a great leader, you know? And now I'm I'm forced into that position. And I, I personally like the way my mind is is set is I, I do well under pressure, I think. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm liking this where this is about to go. I, I'm liking what the future of Scotch holds. It is just a different thing of like I have to do it versus eh, I'll do it later. Right. Yeah. And that's that's the main difference for me. Yeah, there's there's definitely there's something different about having ultimate ownership over 
you know, the, uh, I suppose the, where, where things are going for whatever company you might be running. Um, and in my case, it's, you know, it's a company of one, it's just me consulting, but, uh, still having to be sort of, you know, the, the owner of, of all that, the, the owner of whether or not I, I generate revenue, you know, the, the owner around the whole thing lights a certain kind of fire. Uh, at least I found this to be true. Light, lights a certain kind of fire under me to really kind of get going and, and do things and produce, um, and ship stuff. So it's, um, you know, it's different. I think like I, sometimes I think back to when I was, you know, working for Osteo or other jobs, like not in the tech industry. I think about like the, I don't know, the, maybe the ownership mentality at places like that. Um, you know, and I think about things like, well, at, at these companies and at these other jobs that I've worked, um, I did take ownership of things, but, um, it was ownership for the, the company as a whole, really, you know, and, and I think about, you know, sometimes like I'll think back to like government jobs that I've had before I got into tech, I was working in a lot of different government jobs and, um, that's a place where you don't see a whole lot of ownership at all. Right. People there are not, (laughs) I, I, I generalize, but people in government type settings are not always that motivated to, you know, be of this kind of radical ownership type mindset. You know, you see a lot more of that in, in private companies and especially in the tech industry, I think. Um, but you know, there's still a sense of like, uh, for me, at least there was a sense of like, okay, well, I've got my role, I've got my responsibilities and I want to produce good work. So I'm going to take ownership over it. Um, and it's interesting to see all that to say, it's interesting to see how that has translated, uh, into this same kind of radical ownership for my, my own work, my own business, but to a much larger degree, I think that there's, um, you know, a certain amount of that you can have when you're working for a company or for an organization. But unless you are like, unless the buck stops at you, unless you're the owner of it, I think it's hard to get people to have the kind of radical ownership that you would, if it was your own, you know, your own baby, that kind of thing. Um, so I don't know, have you found that to be the case, uh, at least in this early stage of transition, transitioning to full-time on scotch? Yeah, I have definitely felt that. And as an aside, something I thought of when you were uh, talking about ownership is I think maybe that's why open source does so well mm. is because when people commit a line to a code base, right? Like that's their line, right. like they, they own that. Well, not just line, but section or component, whatever it is. And I think that ownership factor is why like open source is so passionate, yeah. I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a cool thing. Um, but yeah, you, you asked about where the future of scotch is going. Like what, what are we doing yeah. as far as like, what, what am I thinking? I think now that the buck stops at me, well, it always has. Right. But there's more of a sense of it now. Mm-hmm. We definitely w- want to get back to core values. Like I definitely want to get back to um, core values. So what that means for me is uh, I don't want to sound mean, but we (laughs) we're getting back to, we have a lot of authors that submit, um, but I want to get back to when we started the author program where we were only accepting like 10% of the people that submitted. Right. Um, We ended up accepting a lot of people, but I want to get back to like, if, if we publish a post, it's going to be like a, you pay attention is kind of my goal. Right. Um, and 
Like whenever CSS Tricks or Smashing Mag po- publishes a post, I I go and look and read through the post, right? Because yeah. you know it's going to be top notch. Um, so, and I, I want to get us back to that uh, at Scotch. And not to say that a lot of these authors aren't good, but like, like I said earlier, a lot of the articles were so specific with like five different technologies that it wasn't broad enough. So I do want to do that. Uh, I want to push us to a schedule of doing only two posts a week. I actually redesigned the homepage last week so that we could promo articles a bit more. Like it, it made me so sad because we would have these great guest authors write this awesome, amazing post. And we would go through the process, editing all that. We'd publish it. And then like the next day we would have another great post. So that post got buried. Right. 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 Okay. Um, And like one of our main goals is to give promotion for guest authors, right? Like you trusted us to write your post to publish with Scotch. I feel there's an obligation to get you as much exposure as possible. Hmm. Got it. Um, And that's why I did the homepage redesign. Like we promote one main article and I want that article to stay on top of the homepage for at least two days. Mm -hmm. So that's, um, that's kind of what we're getting back to just core values, solid articles, good promo. Yeah. Makes sense. Got it. Um, I'd love to chat about Twitch. You mentioned this a few times now that you're doing uh, live streaming on Twitch. And I think, you know, for a lot of us who are maybe on Twitter and consuming, you know, developer content that way, we see people maybe I've seen anyway, uh, people who are doing these live streams. Um, I never have tuned into them so much though i mean i've watched yours a few times uh just kind of quick in and out to see what's happening um but sure. tell me about the strategy with twitch and, and tell me how it's been working i mean there's um i know there probably definitely is a crowd and I, i'm sure that's why you continue to do it that loves to sit in and, and watch somebody kind of think out uh how to how they're going to put together uh, an application or whatever the case might be um but who's the audience for twitch for you and and uh how's that been going i guess Sure. Um, I didn't know where this experiment was going, uh, this Twitch experiment, but I will say after about two months, I am very happy with what has happened. So there's a couple different things that kind of coalesce to make this Twitch thing happen. Um, uh, sorry, I'm just putting together like a lineup, <laughs> but <laughs> no I think that, so when I talked about Scotch going back to core values, we actually have two projects in, in play right now that I think are going to be great or are, are coming out pretty soon. One is starters. So I'm, I'm building out our React starter right now. Like if you want to learn React in 2019, I want it to be like a start to finish guide, mm. right? Uh, and we're going to do the same for Vue, for Angular, for all that good stuff. So I'm doing a lot of small demo apps throughout that thing. And the other projects we have is uh, 21 day challenges. So like 21 days of React, 21 days of Vue, 21 days of JavaScript, Angular, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's 21 tiny demos that we have to make for each separate one. And I figured like, we have to make all these tiny demos. Why not, you know, throw it on Twitch and have people join in and on the fun. And I've always had a problem with live coding. I think live coding is extremely boring. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just tough to jump into a stream where somebody's already been coding on a project, like some monolithic project that they've been working on for three months. And like, you don't know what's happening. You don't know where to jump in, where the code is, you know? So one of the things that I kind of wanted to do was we're never going to build an app like that, ha- that we've been working on for months. Mm. So every Twitch stream, we start a new app. Okay. And every, every Twitch stream, we try to finish that same app. Got it. 
And the cool thing is we do it in code sandbox. So we can do like a professor mode classroom mode where people jump in and see the code. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you go back to your question of like, who's the target audience, I definitely think it's like, it leans to beginner intermediate people. Um, I definitely think it leans to people that what's interesting is I like seeing the process of how developer codes. Mm -hmm. Right. And for people to see my process, people have said that they like seeing the stumbles. Mm. They like seeing like different developers go to Stack Overflow. They're like, oh, you know, everybody goes to Stack Overflow. Yeah. Kind of humanizes like, the absolutely whole they process a little bit more, I suppose. Hey? Yeah. And another thing I've been trying to do is working remote for so long, you, you kind of lose your, what do they call it? 10 foot circle, three foot circle. Okay. What's, what's, you know, what's the circle? Like just of people around you or? Of people around you, of, of people that you like meet in person, locally, because you and I, we're both remote, right? Mm-hmm. So we do a lot of like interactions on Twitter, on, on internet, whatever, but there's something different about having a face-to-face. Mm. That's true. With people, right? Yep. So what's been interesting is Twitch has brought out a lot of these people that have jumped in chat and have been chatting with me, have been helping. Like I've learned a lot from our, our people in chat mm-hmm. on Twitch. But just being able to talk to developers, I think that the developer community has like this mentality of, oh, if, if, and I could be wrong, but especially at conferences, they're like, oh, I want to talk to the people that work at Google. I want to talk Mm. to the people that work at Facebook. And that's totally valid, right? They're amazing developers. But what I am interested in, especially recently is like, it's, it's, it's cool to see people at, at the smaller companies, the mom and pop shops or like what's their struggle, right? Like what are they working on? And what's cool is those people have jumped into the Twitch stream. I've been able to talk to them, got to know a lot of people like on a personal level, people are DMing me and hanging out now. And I think that building that community on Twitch has been so fun. I think that like people are regulars now, they jump in all the time. And one person was like, Hey man, my truck is like broke down on the side of the road. So I just pulled you up on my phone and I, I'm just going to hang out here while I wait for, <laughs> for roadside assistance. That's awesome. Like that's the, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've just loved Twitch so far. Um, I just recently wrote a post on scotch for the 10 things that we built in March. Um, so if you want to like look at that, but there, there's 10 different apps in there that we built from scratch and, um, yeah, it's just been a lot of fun. That's great, man. Um, has it been, I mean, I suppose this would be hard to quantify, but do you, do you sense that it has contributed directly to revenue of, of any sort uh, at this point? Or is it more interesting? Of, is it more of like uh, build, build a wider audience and then, you know, don't really worry about the downstream effects of it. As long as you know that you're adding value in some way, you'll probably get some value in the long run. How do you, how do you think about that? Um, so how I think about it, and it goes back to like your full time. Now you have to do stuff. Like, uh, you have to 100% do stuff. So the 21 days of react, like these 21 challenges we're doing, I was going to make them anyway. Mm. Right. So everything we do on a Twitch stream will turn into content eventually. Right. Uh, that, that will be on the site that a large, like, it's hard to justify spending this much time on Twitch, like two hours every other day when and we're early on, but I'm super happy with our, um, our audience at like 40, 40 people hanging out. It's hard to justify two hours for 40 people just from like an economic standpoint of time, time to usage. Right. Mm-hmm. But 
if each of those things turns into an article that we can put online and have a broader audience, then it's 100% worth it. Right. So I was going to do it anyway. Right. So might as well like have a party while I do it is I guess what's happening. Right. Right. <laughs> no, that's a good point. Um, that's cool. I, you know, I, something I've thought about doing as well, uh, live coding, um, and, and having, you know, people pop in and see what I'm doing. I, I, I might, I might try something like that. Maybe, maybe we'll go through, uh, first with the idea of me, uh, jumping on with you to, to kind of teach you, um, uh, how to use GraphQL as, as we've talked about, yeah. uh, maybe that'll be my first foray into, into live streaming and I'll see how it goes from there. But, uh, that's a, it's a cool concept. And I think it's reaching an audience in a way that, you know, is, is different and adds a bit of different value than just a traditional blog post or screencast can do, you know, it's, it's a whole, it's a whole different value proposition, um, at the end of the day. Um, so that's great, man. Um, right. So, you know, one thing that, um, that I'm sure people listening are probably curious about, um, that I've heard from, from others before is, you know, they they might say something like, I want to start my own blog, uh, I want to start producing content of some sort and I eventually want to have it make money for me. Right. So people want to know how to get to a point where they can produce content that is generating revenue. Um, now we're, we're at this place in 2019 where we've got a lot of people doing content. We've got a lot of people doing courses. Um, what do you think is the best way to, um, aim towards generating revenue from content uh, in 2019? Sure. Yeah. So generating content in 2019, starting a blog in 2019, this is a very interesting question. I've thought about if, if we didn't have scotch or if scotch tried to start in this day and age, would it be successful? And it's, it's interesting. I don't have an answer to that. I think scotch came out at a time where, you know, medium was just starting out. So that platform for everybody blogging didn't really exist. Um, you see Dev2, Dev.2 getting a lot of success right now with people wanting to blog on a, on a platform. But what I've found very interesting is ever since Medium did that whole paywall thing, a lot of people have been moving to a, a place where they start their own blog again, right? Like it's, it feels like the MySpace days where everyone had their own like custom design slice of the internet. So I found that very interesting. Uh, the question being... Uh, how do you start up a blog and like all that stuff and eventually make money from it in 2019? You and I went to a conference uh, up in Boise. Mm-hmm. That's how you pronounce it, um, Boise. For ConvertKit, Boise. And one of the things that really stuck with me that came out of that conference is uh, a quote that was, uh, there are no unique messages. There are only unique messengers. Mm, yeah, right? I like that one. And that comes, that comes back to the idea of you have to build like a solid fan base for yourself. Like there's some people that you enjoy learning from, right? That, that speak to you directly. And I think that's what you need to get to as far as um, like creating content in 2019. You have to build that fan base of, uh, what, 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 is it Tim Ferriss that says like a thousand loyal fans or something? Mm, yeah, I think he references that. Uh, is that a book or a quote from someone i mean, i should know this but he talks about that a lot is like uh there's there's a book or a quote or something uh around the, this theme of, of getting a thousand true fans and i think once you do you sort of 
you, I guess, you know, you're in a good spot in terms of whether or not you're, you've got a, an audience that you can, you know, uh, maybe, I don't know, generate a living from that sort of thing. Right. So if, if you can do that in 2019 and it doesn't even have to be a thousand, right? Like if you can get to a hundred, then I would say you're onto something. Mm. And then that just snowballs into your next project, into your next project, whatever you do. And that's kind of um, leading back to Twitch. I think that's that face-to-face for me on Twitch has definitely helped build um, more fans, more friendships. So I think that personal level is what you need to get to, uh, especially with how many, like there's so many resources out there for your resource to get traction and to get like a high level of traffic is tough, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, To try to go viral, as they say, is tough. Um, To have SEO play is, is tough in this day and age. So I would say if you can hit and connect with like individual people and just build up that one by one by one, that's what you should focus on and not focus on like, oh, I didn't get like 30,000 views on this post right. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just building a loyal fan base, I think is, um, is, should be the focus uh, in 2019. Yeah. That's, I, I, I sense that that's kind of like timeless advice in a lot of ways. Right. And, and, you know, you'd probably want to do that regardless of how saturated or unsaturated the, the market of, of content might be. I, I sense that we're getting to a place where I don't, I don't know if I want to say there's a lot of noise because I think, I think there's, there's value added anytime somebody writes up, you know, a technical article with the aim of, of helping other developers, you know, figure out why their code's not working or teaches them how to write some code in the first place. So I think, you know, any, anytime we write, anytime developer writes something like a technical article, it's a value. But I think there's the sense that I get is there's a lot more of these than there used to be. Um, so kind of cutting through the crowd to get your stuff seen, uh, today is, is harder than it was in the past. Um, so, you know, the, the, the thing that I look at is just how can I, how can I be consistent about it and how can I add value to people, um, consistently over time? And I think that's, I mean, that's got, got to be in my mind, the only way to, to really do it these days. I'd rather do that anyway than, than have something that's more of a flash in the pan. Um, so it sounds like you're kind of thinking along the same lines as that. Yeah, absolutely. They, they definitely go hand in hand. Um, if you add value and, uh, one of the core values of scotch has always been like, if, if this article can help one person, then it was worth it. Right. Mm -hmm. And and that's what you're saying right now. And that actually leads into building that fan base that I was talking about. Right. So if you can help one person one by one by one, um, that's, uh, then you're in a good spot. Another thing I took from our convert kit conference that we went to is, uh, who said it? I don't remember who said it, but the, the lines was, how do I become successful on YouTube in 2019? Mm-hmm. And it's very similar to the question you posed on like, how do you get, your blog post to be successful. Yeah. That was Casey. Um, Casey, Nice that, right? He was there doing a talk. I think that was, that was during his, he was answering a question. Oh, that might've been his. Yeah. 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 But what did he say? He said, if you can hit a thousand fans or a thousand subscriptions on YouTube, hmm. then you're on to something. Like he said, like was, that I think it was a, initial jump. Yeah. I think it was a hundred thousand. I think it was a hundred thousand. He was saying, but yeah, same idea. 
Oh, yeah. so that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. But I mean, I, I have a YouTube channel that I don't do anything on and I've got like 4,000 followers or subscribers oh. or whatever. So I, I think it's a, the metrics are a little bit different when we're talking about YouTube. It might've been 10,000. I think it was a hundred thousand, but anyway, okay. regardless, right. the point is, <laughs> I'm, try, I'm trying to lower it. <laughs> okay. But yeah, he said like, if you can get to that point, you're onto something and you can like the rest of it is kind of failing, hmm. but it is true that initial grind to get that uh, initial traffic, initial fans, initial subscriptions, whatever. That's the hardest part. And like, like I said earlier, Scotch didn't have any traffic for eight months. Mm-hmm. That's like almost a year of me writing and putting it on a website. And it's basically like a black box diary that nobody ever read, right. you know? Um, so if you can endure that initial grind and you can build up your following over that time, like after that, you're on to something. Mm. That's cool. Awesome, man. Well, I think that's probably a good spot to, uh, to start wrapping up. Um, is there anything that you'd, uh, you'd like to promote specifically? Uh, you know, I'll certainly link people to everything you mentioned, like, uh, scotch, uh, itself and, and, you know, some of the articles that you were talking about through the podcast, but, uh, anything you're working on sure. in particular that you'd like people to check out? Um, yeah, I think the only thing that I haven't mentioned, I guess my strategy approach right now is the starter kits. So like the react starters, already underway. I think we've got like five posts on that. Um, the challenges, the code challenges, I think are really fun, but none of those are out yet. Uh, definitely hang out in the Twitch stream. Like you don't even have to just follow along. If you could just pad my numbers and put it on a screen, <laughs> that'd be great. Yep. <laughs> cool. Uh, and then the, the other thing that I haven't mentioned is, uh, we have a view book coming out in two weeks Okay. and yeah, that's about it. Um, view for the real world it's called and um well, that's great we will yeah that's uh, about it we'll definitely link that up view for the real world i am interested in seeing what that looks like um and maybe once that has uh, been released and you know a little ways down the road maybe we can have a round two and you can tell us about how that launch went and and give us some of those juicy details yeah i'm uh i think it'll be fun to see how full-time treats me yep Absolutely. Um, and a little bit down the road. I think it's, you know, my, in my experience, cause I've been at it for a year and a bit now it's, it's fun, man. It's, you know, there's definitely, I don't know, there's, there's more, more of a feeling of responsibility that comes with it. Um, but I, I think it's, it's definitely worthwhile. The, uh, for me, the, the, the need to not have a, a, you know, somebody to report to is, is great. Like not needing to actually report to you know, a boss or whatever. It's definitely cool for me. So I think you'll enjoy it. Awesome. I'm, I'm stoked. I'm, I'm excited. Absolutely. Um, A little scared, a little excited. Yeah. You'll do well though. I I think you will. Um, where can people check out your, uh, your social media, uh, Twitter, for example, where, where are you at on Twitter? Sure. It's Twitter at Chris on code, C H R I S on code. Excellent. Great. Yep. Well, I will uh, drop all these links into the show notes and uh, people can check them out there. Um, it's been great catching up with you, man. I can't wait to, to see you again. Yeah, and uh, I guess we'll, we'll be seeing each other fairly shortly here in uh, Salt Lake City. NG Comp. Yep. That's great. Well, until then, you take care and I will chat with you soon. You too. Thanks, Ryan. so much again for tuning into the entrepreneurial coder podcast today you'll be able to find show notes and links to everything that chris mentioned at ecpodcast.io 
If you've got any feedback about the show, if you'd like to suggest a future guest, or if you just want to say hi, I'd love to hear from you. You can say hi on Twitter at twitter.com slash coder podcast. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, and if you feel so inclined, it would be great if you could leave a review and subscribe. And if not, no hard feelings. Until next time, happy hacking. Thank you.